0: From my experience, I think most people are pretty alright with the things I say. So hopefully, you know, um, that'll come across, and more people will see that, and uh, we'll get more people in the fold that way.
1: Right on, man. And you know what, I, Alex? I mean, this entire interview, you've just been like spewing hate, hatred, <laughs> militant behavior. I just can't get over it, man. It's, I would, I would I expect more from a fucking vice chair.
2: Silence him. Silence him. Vote him out. <laughs>
1: Directly from the launch pad. Bringing blue collar to your cell tower. The rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. I know you gotta make a roll record machine. And you gotta dig that rockabilly seat. I know you gotta dig that hip-hop high. It's Blast Off with Johnny Rocket And I'm here at the launch pad And I'm hanging out with the coolest chick I know The beautiful Ray of Truth herself Give it up for Miss Raylene Lightheart Hi guys Raylene, how are you?
2: I'm fantastic. I'm really excited about our guest today. It's been beautiful weather over here in the Seattle area. So I'm enjoying the holiday and uh, also watching the LNC convention. That was a really good week for me.
1: It was. Well, I didn't go and that sucks because I'm usually like the guy who's always going to those things. However, I just didn't have the, the funds. The fundage sucked for me. And so I figured, you know what, I'll just watch it on YouTube because I figured, you know, I I could get through the whole thing without having to worry about getting, you know, molested by a bunch of libertarians.
2: (laughs) Well, I have to say that, uh, you know, maybe if people donate to your Patreon, you'll get to go next year or the next time. So that'll be fun.
1: I know. And that's funny that you mentioned that because I was just looking at patreon.com forward slash blast off podcast. And I noticed that our numbers are actually growing since I started the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash blastoff Podcast. I mean, we're up to $40 an, an episode now, and it's it's pretty good. So if you add that up, that's like 160 bucks a month, and that definitely will take care of some of the cigarettes, and I'm joking, I'm not spending your money on cigarettes. Actually, we're, we're trying to build the studio up and get more equipment in here, uh, but we do, if you guys are patrons on patreon.com, I want to say thank you guys very much. And you know what, Raylene, I just sent out the backstage passes as of today.
2: Exciting.
1: It is exciting. So as as you're listening to this, go ahead to your mailbox, look inside, you'll find a backstage pass, and it's signed by me. And uh, I hope you guys will dig it because I actually they're on the lanyard, the whole nine. It actually looks like a backstage pass that you get at a concert. So I'm, I, I'm stoked that people are going to dig these things. And I said, thank you on the back.
2: I love that you have swag. This is great. Well,
1: it's the start of swag. It's the start, you know, and I want to do more for the people who contribute to the show, obviously. But I mean, it's just, I think it's important to have some shit to give out. You know what I mean? Instead of like, I got nothing to give. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, I, I love free stuff. I'm, I'm not, I have no shame. Sometimes I go to Costco when I want to eat.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you just like walk around the grocery store. Like, is that a free sample? Let me get some of that shit. <laughs> is that what you do?
2: No, but I think about it.
1: <laughs> well, if you, you must, it's pretty bad when you go to the, like the, the gas station and you're using like the condiments as a meal, like you're yeah, trying to we've make all a salad. Been there. We've People, all been there. Yeah,
2: Definitely. We've,
1: <laughs> I've never been there really.
2: Oh, well I'm not as cool as you. <laughs> I'm
1: lying. I'm lying. No, we've all been there. Anyways, though, you know, I'm really excited about our guest and this guy is not only done some really cool things and has accomplished things that most people in their lifetime would never accomplish, but not only that, he's a good guy. I've been friends with this guy for years now. I'm probably going on three or four years and uh, ever since I met this guy at in person at the 2016 Libertarian National Convention, just a cool fucking dude. One of the nicest people I have ever met. And one of the greatest voices for the libertarian movement. And let me just tell you about this guest. Alex Merced is a young and fresh optimistic voice in today's sea of pessimism in politics and economics. His message is one of empowering individuals to solve today's greatest challenges through enterprise, innovation, and voluntary cooperation. Alex leaves no stone unturned in trying to spread his message and affect change. He is involved in the Libertarian Party politics, podcasting, vlogging, and speaking to whoever will listen. And this guy, check this shit out, (laughs) Brantley. 2013 LP candidate for New York City public advocate. 2016 LP candidate for U.S. Senate from New York. 2017 LP candidate for New York City comptroller host of six podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, over 2,000 videos on YouTube, a decade of experience as a financial industry trainer. In college, he was a promotions director for WBGU-FM. In college, he was the owner of Gamer's Lounge, a comic and gaming store. In college, he was the founder of Fashionably Numb Music, Concert Promotions Outfit, and he is also the founder of the Libertarian LibertarianWingMedia.com. And now... He is now the 2018 vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee. Give it up for my brother, Alex Merced!
2: Yay.
1: Hi. How you doing, brother? How you been? Holy shit. So, like, that is a resume from hell, dude. Like, I would be like, okay. That's pretty cool. What else do you have to offer? That ain't big enough.
0: I keep busy. I also uh, started the, the Positivity conference a year or so ago uh, within the Libertarian Party when I first started <laughs> trying to promote like uh, a very positive message, unity and stuff like that to the party.
1: I always thought that you had like a very negative streak about you though so why, why why would you start the positivity caucus
0: um actually that was like uh i think that started with the first couple arvin controversies so basically it all started with you know just trying to say okay i'm gonna i'm not gonna like go out of my way to criticize instead i'm just gonna say hey here's an example of the, being an example of the way i think work or like the messaging that i that i think is a good message and I created the Positivity Caucus to push sort of speaking to a message of hope, speaking to a message of optimism, talking about how individual liberty can make your life better and how it should excite you to be fighting for individual liberty instead of being angry that it's not here, being hopeful that it will be.
1: Okay, Alex, really quick. You know, so right now you are now the LNC vice chair, which is fantastic. And most people have spent their entire lives trying to get that position. And now you're there. You're the second least important person in the Libertarian Party, right?
0: right. That's that's, (laughs) right. That's (laughs) that's. There you go. um, As Nick always said, he's the least important person in the Libertarian Party, making me the second most least important uh, person in the Libertarian Party. That's right. And basically, my job is just to make sure that we grow as a party. I mean, of course, as a public figure, I'm going to be someone who's going to be very positive, very welcoming, because I want people to come to the Libertarian Party and stay in the Libertarian Party, but also... I'm involved in the uh, the operation of the party, basically being part of the Libertarian National Committee, making decisions about how we're going to use the resources of the Libertarian Party, basically setting the direction of building the infrastructure that's going to help get candidates the ability to get the vote to make change and change the world around us.
1: Okay. Well, one more thing for you, you know, so now that you you're kind of now in this position, which is new to you, mm-hmm. you're going to be working with people you haven't worked with before. Right. So you got all these people you're like, I, I don't, maybe you do know them, but you probably never worked with them. Right. Well, so, uh,
0: how- well, earlier in the year. Yeah, go ahead. Well, earlier in the year, what happened is that Larry Sharp left the LNC. He was a Region Eight alternate for Region Eight since we're both in New York. And when he left uh, the Region 8 alternate spot, I took that or I, I went and put my name in for it and got the Region 8 alternate spot. And basically, I got to spend some time on the LNC, and got to know a lot of the long timers on the LNC, and got to see how they work, how the conversations would go and get a feel for the culture of the LMC. And even more awesome is that a lot of the new people who are joining the LMC as reps or alts are all people who I've gotten to know very well either actually from many of the conventions that I got to as I was doing this campaign. So it's kind of funny. It's like uh, the LNC's have come through sort of this all-star lineup of all my favorite people for my travels.
1: Wow. Well, like, so now that you're the LNC vice chair, how do you envision your partnership with Nick Sarwark, right? And what do you think you guys are going to do together as like a, you know, team, um, a power couple? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm really looking forward to actually getting to like learn under Nick. I mean, Uh, If you've seen how he ran the 2016 convention, the 2018 convention, the dude is like an artist when it comes to parliamentary procedure and just being able to basically work a room with grace and and wit and humor. And I want to kind of really kind of absorb that and kind of learn that from him, but also at the same time kind of learn what it takes to really sort of be to run the Libertarian Party. What are the kind of challenges? I mean, I've gotten some exposure to that during my time as Region 8 Ultimate, but now as vice chair, I'm going to get a, a lot deeper exposure to it. So I'm going to definitely aim to learn as much as I can. Or regarding that from Nick, but at the same time offer a lot of it, offer my own ideas, offer my own take, and also just kind of be a face to help make sure everyone at the party feels welcome. Retention's a big deal for me, so I'm, I'm I keep telling everyone my door is open, and you guys can reach out to me whenever you want. A lot of people already have with things that they're happy about, with things that they're angry about. Um, basically, my goal is to really kind of be sort of the Kind of the the guidance counselor of the Libertarian Party, the cheerleader of the Libertarian Party. Uh, It doesn't sound like the most glamorous or or front lines role, but I think it's a role that is lacking and needed within the party structure to, you know, really get people excited and keep people in and keep people focused.
2: I am geeking out right now, Alex. I am also a positive messaging person. So I really am so excited that you're here and congratulations. You deserve this position. You're doing such a great job. You're doing so much for the movement and the party. I wanted to talk about your signature messaging style, which, um, I always kind of, when I describe you to my friends, cause I actually call myself and my friend, the Alex and the Arvin of Kitsap County, which is where we live <laughs> and, uh, and because I, I really identify with your style and it's um, uh, leading with love, positivity and empathy. First of all, I want to say that I love that this is part of your project, that you're kind of taking the spirit of liberty. And, you know, a lot of people say, how are we going to combat racism and how are we going to combat the evils in the world with liberty without government involvement? And um, you're kind of taking that ideal and move it into the party itself. And I just want to say thank you for that. I, see, I think it's kind of visionary. What is your response to those who are afraid that being so inclusive and so nice isn't going to be enough? What, what do you have to say to them?
0: Um, I have to say, keep an eye out. I mean, bottom line is I'm, everything I've done, whether it's starting that comic book store or running for office, there's always been people who doubted me and doubted my approach and doubted what I wanted to do. And there's nothing I can say that's going to necessarily turn around that doubt. The best thing I can do to turn around that doubt is just to do it and be and show show the proof in the pudding by actually just doing the things I say I'm going to do. And that's basically my whole mantra. My mantra is I'm going to be as inclusive, as positive, as empathetic as possible, not because people are going to be just sold by me saying that, but because when they see the effect of me doing so, they're going to see how people will be brought together and see how the party will grow. And that's going to be what sells that approach going forward the actual results and i'm just going to work my butt off to to basically be an example of the world i want and hopefully that shows everybody else maybe it's something worth uh, emulating worth aspiring to definitely worth it
1: alex really quick my friend uh i just want everyone to know this right (laughs) for the record for the record right right because i want to make this known and i want it out of your mouth not mine because see i i could say it all day and it would be like whatever dude whatever johnny you're an idiot. Okay. So who was the guy, there was a guy who, who asked you, I said, you know what? I would be in full support of this person. And if you ran for vice chair, I think it would be perfect. And, um, I don't know who, who was the guy who, who kind of pushed you in that direction? I don't know. Who was that? The
0: very first phone call that I got regarding running for vice chair, because I originally had no intention of running for vice chair. I had just got done with the race for New York city comptroller. That was asked back-to-back with the race for the U.S. Senate. So I was exhausted. I was beaten. I was torn from all this time campaigning. And then I get a call from Johnny Allen saying, you need to run for vice chair. And at first, I pushed back, and there was actually several calls. And then at the same time, sort of completely separate, Larry Sharp later on started doing the same thing, just calling me every once in a while saying, you need to run for vice chair. And with both of them just kind of constantly calling me and 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 uh, uh, pushing for it, I eventually, I, I eventually said, you know what? Let's do it. And then, you know, with anything that I do, if I decide to do it, I go in a hundred percent. So I went in with a hundred percent with the intention of learning how to do the job, what the job is and excelling at the job. So that's why I traveled the country, going to different uh, party conventions across the country, not just to meet delegates, but also to kind of see how everybody does their meetings. How does every how does every state run their party to learn what works and what doesn't work? And it was Mm -hmm. and also just to learn how to help. It was basically a fact finding mission for me to be able to excel at this job. And I was very, and it was an amazing experience because I also made a lot of amazing friends along the way. So um, I'm excited. I'm in the job. Basically, anyone who's watching the convention saw that uh, and Nick gave me the opportunity to learn how to run a meeting trial by fire by letting me run the meeting a little bit. <laughs> and um, overall, I'm pretty excited about the future.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Here's the thing that, that I've been concerned with. You know, there's been a recent outrage concerning, you know, the involvement with the Libertarian Socialist Caucus, right? That's it's everywhere, right? Yeah. Over there. Or it got a lot of attention. Let's just say that there wasn't a lot of them. I don't think but it got a lot of attention. What is your plan to ensure the party does not sacrifice its principles and the cornerstone of liberty, which is property rights?
0: Basically by just being libertarian. Honestly, if we all just continue to be libertarian and continue to fight for libertarian causes, it'll be fine. I mean, this uh, Libertarian Socialist Caucus, it's really a handful of people. And the only reason they got as much attention as they did is because everyone decided to talk about it. It was mainly, it was really those who were provoked by it that gave it all the attention and gave it the platform that it eventually got. Honestly, we just kept going about our business and working to get a libertarian candidate elected, getting libertarian ballot initiatives on the ballot, uh, convincing people about libertarian ideas such as property rights, individualism, free exchange, etc. And we spent more time doing that instead of getting all the rage about like five people, you know, doing their thing we'd be getting a lot more accomplished because most people who are out there on the ground, on town to town, the town they're not, they are not—they don't see the libertarian social packet What they do see is your local libertarian candidate. What they do see is the actions of your local libertarian party. And what each of us can do is get involved in that local libertarian party and take actions and be visible in the community. And that's something I always advocate for, that people should spend more time doing libertarianism in action, meaning voluntarily going out to help your community, getting involved in your community so that way they can see that what libertarian is about. I think libertarians being there um, and do it as a party, do it do it as a group. Go out to your local soup kitchen and 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 give people food. Do an event for the children so that way the kids are entertained and provide you know maybe a a, a child care program for, for parents who can't afford child care voluntarily. Put make put show libertarianism in action and all that other stuff will just kind of just fade into the back the background noise.
1: I'm with you, man. So what you're saying is I should, Raylene and I should do like shows for kids. So we should have like the blast off of Johnny rocket and we'll drink beer and we'll have a good time. And is that cool?
2: We'll call it the toddler twins instead of the Toddle twins. You guys like that? <laughs> yeah.
0: Get like puppets. Made. I'd be like, like Hey kids, come here. Puppet, a Raylene puppet, do little puppet show. <laughs> you know, we can just by being, being good people, being part of our community, because that people who vote, a lot of times they're not voting based on any kind of big, larger ideological picture, but they vote because they like the person. But when you like someone, you also start to care about what makes them so likable. Yeah. And you start looking at their ideas, about the way they think that, of things, and people start to emulate that. Like, I did this whole um, uh, speech that's on YouTube, The Aspirational Libertarian. And that, that was that's exactly what it's about. I mean, why did I get so excited by Ron Paul? It wasn't just Ron Paul's ideas, but it was also just him. The fact that he lived such a long life being consistent, that he gets up in the morning and rides his bike really early in the morning and lives just a gosh good life that made me, I was like, I want to be that guy. And that inspired me or made me aspire to, to his ideals, to his virtues, et cetera. And we all kind of made an effort to be someone that other people want to be and treat people in a way that we want to be treated, we'd be surprised how much change we can quickly make.
2: Yes. I have a question for you. I love what you're saying. And I also try to employ the principles of voluntarism as somebody who's a little more radical. I think it's important that I work to find connection and and where we agree. Um, and I see a lot of that in your messaging. Do you believe that doing these suggestions like you're talking about, um, getting out there, volunteering, giving where you can, leading by example, being kind, but with liberty in mind. Do you think that in our lifetime, we're going to be able to see small voluntary communities? We're already
0: seeing it. I mean, um, may, there may not be like whole off-the-grid communities quite yet, but I do look forward and I do think it's possible that eventually in my lifetime that we live in a world where, in, in at least in a small scope, that maybe um, we can find small communities where, there is no problem, no issue that it's widely accepted to go buy your groceries in Bitcoin. Hopefully, ideal world, you know, dream would be, you know, one day we're all buying anything we want on a step or <laughs> somewhere, but right, um, right. ideal, I think we already start to see that. People are forming their communities, whether they're in New Hampshire, whether they're in any state. It doesn't have to be a whole separate town. It's just connecting with people that you agree with that support you, that support each other and communicate with each other and try to find ways to just to deal with the world around you. It doesn't have to be a full-on sort of exclusive separated libertarian community it's just little pockets of libertarian of liberty and the libertarian party is a part of that community when i go to libertarian events especially the libertarian party events everyone helps each other everyone supports each other yes you see a lot of libertarians fighting online but one thing i saw from state to state as i went from convention to convention is a lot of people who care about each other a lot of people who drive each other to events a lot of people who give each other a place to stay when they need it a lot of people who babysit each other's kids those communities already exist. That libertarian world is existing and building up every day that the Libertarian Party builds up because we're connecting people who want to help each other.
2: Ah, swoon.
1: <laughs> yeah, she likes that. Well, yeah, because, I mean, that was actually funny because you and Mark Kibler just did that. Yeah. Like he's going to build your deck or something and you're going to watch his kids. Yep,
2: yep. We, we, See, I, we, we that you know, out? that is right. What you're saying is we are having building a community among libertarians. I was wondering just about in society itself, more like um, in a voluntary way that people talk about in an ANCAPA stand, if you will. But what you're saying is really speaking to me. And I actually like your answer better than what I could have come up with. So thank you. (laughs) Thank
0: you. Thank you. I'm just saying, I mean, this is is just what I'm seeing. The world, this is why I'm optimistic because I'm actually seeing the libertarian ideas in action. The libertarian party, regardless, I mean, people get pessimistic about like political outcomes and how we do in this election, that election. But every time we have a new libertarian party member, every time another person shows up at the meeting, we're building that voluntary community greater and greater and greater.
1: And that's the most beautiful thing I can think of. Amen, brother. Amen. Okay, so listen, man. Tom Woods just recently joined the Libertarian Party, which is pretty fucking monumental. And Dave Smith apparently just did today. What do you believe like a, a rock star like Tom will bring to the movement? And do you think the party will become more validated with people like him?
0: Of course. I mean, more Libertarians, the more Libertarians in the Libertarian Party, the more Libertarian it becomes, Period. And I don't care what flavor of Libertarian you are. If you're a Libertarian, I want you to the Libertarian Party. And, and Tom Woods, I am excited to have him in the party. I got to have, I got to have lunch with him over there at the convention. And it was life. Because I mean, he was definitely someone who was very influential on me uh, in my early days. I mean, basically when I first started getting into Libertarianism, it was essentially, well, basically a lot of the books by Tom, by Tom Woods and Robert Murphy that really kind of helped educate me on economics, on, on a lot of things, and really helped form my ideas early on. And then later on, I started exploring sort of a whole tradition of libertarianism. So I did kind of expand. First, I kind of started off really heavy with the Austrian economics, then kind of expanded into sort of a lot of the philosophy of, like, Nozick and Rand and exploring other modes of economics, like Friedman, and uh, the Monterey, and the new institutional economics, like Douglas C. North. It, but that was the starting point. That's what got me curious about ideas. And there's a, there's a huge debt of gratitude I definitely have towards uh, Tom Woods and Robert Murphy, because they are a big part of how I became who I am. They still influence me to this day. I mean, Tom Woods runs one of my favorite podcasts. But basically, Tom Woods, just by being Tom Woods, has a huge impact. So Tom Woods, by being part of the massively growing libertarian community of people helping each other out and just being libertarian and everything that they do, just gives it that much more impact. And I, but it's not just, but you don't have to be famous. You don't have to be a big name to create impact, okay? It's a, a, a single mother struggling, who just, wants to create a better world, being joining the Libertarian Party to me is just as much impact. I want everyone in the party. Right
2: on. I love this. Speaking of uh, how you kind of fell into libertarianism, I was going to ask you some questions about that. Um, was the first time as a young person that you noticed the oppression or maybe hypocrisy of the state? And then um, how were you inspired to look outside of the false two-sided paradigm?
0: Got it. Okay, so basically I always had sort of I always looked at things a little bit differently, and I never quite understood understood it. Like when I was a kid, I really enjoyed watching Stossel in 2020. Like it was just like I would actually stay up late as like an eight year old on Friday nights to see if there would be a Stossel yes. in 2020. Yes, Stossel's um, awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of probably the first time where I started to see things questioning because I was like, okay, this is kind of different than what I when I hear a lot of other people say he's not. He's like oftentimes just questioning consumer protections and stuff like that, and saying how it's just sort of not that i was just bad i was just like, okay this is kind of cool right but i didn't really think much of it i mean i was an eight-year-old and then right. i think in ninth grade we read uh, anthem by ayn rand which is a, it's a quick book but i mean the whole idea of ego and individualism really and i'm um, creativity was always a big deal for me um to me that's one of the biggest things about libertarianism when you believe in anything is possible creativity is limitless and being a fan of music and art and stuff like that that that's important but basically, that kind of had an impact on me. But I still wasn't libertarian yet. I still went through a phase of being way, way to the left. I mean, I had like my DVD, Michael Moore DVDs, the corporation documentary. I vo- I think. Wait, let's see. Two thousand four. I voted for Kerry. That was my first <laughs> presidential vote.
1: Wow. Wow. Um, oh, you've come um, a long coming, way.
0: I, you know,
1: you've come a long way. You only
0: hear right and left. I didn't. Uh, I think I heard the word libertarian once. And I had no idea what it meant. I still always had a sort of more independent views. I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I kind of. I agree with the left position, but sometimes I think you guys are going too far, but I didn't quite get it.
1: Right, right. So Alex, we got to wrap up this segment really quick though. What do you think of the beautiful Raylene Lightheart?
0: Uh, I think she's awesome. And I I really appreciate like all the love you guys have been giving me so far and all that stuff. But yes, I guess I'll finish the story of how I became libertarian after the break. Perfect.
1: Yeah, wait until next segment. Alex, we're going to mess with you then. We just wanted to keep you happy for the first one. And now we're just going to slam the shit out of you. Anyways, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. I'm here with my ray of truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Hi, guys. And we're here with Alex Merced. And you can check him out at alexmerced.com where you can find out all his information, his shows, his podcasts, all his dot-coms. You name it, that's kind of his hub. Is that right?
0: Yeah, you go to alexmerced.com, you'll find everything about me. And uh, if you're not a member of the Libertarian Party, you can also go to lp.org slash join and join.
1: There you go. I forgot you have that big website now to take care of. Anyways, those plus stuff with Johnny Rocket and Raylene Lightheart. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Rock and roll. Stick around. Why do people hate
0: libertarians? One part of America calls them soulless robber barons who want to stick children back in factories, and the other part thinks they're drugged up anarchists. Who are they? And why have regular Americans been told to avoid libertarians and their ideas? Hi, I'm Remso W. Martinez, Amazon best-selling author of Stay Away from the Libertarians, where I'm going to debunk the myths, misconceptions, and outright lies thrown at libertarians ranging from the idea that votes can be stolen to the radical notion that you own yourself. From personal stories to Ignored history, I lay out the facts and ask you if these dastardly libertarians are as much of a threat as the mainstream media and establishment politicians make them seem. You can go ahead and get a copy in print and in Kindle e reader on Amazon today. Stay away from the libertarians by Remso W. Martinez. Available on Amazon.
1: Johnny Rock, and I just want to say that there is very few podcasts that I take the time to listen to every week. But with my limited time, I really want to listen to shows that really stick out. Please give a listen to Mark Clare on the lines of liberty. Every show he does is just badass. If you want to laugh your ass off, listen to Chris Spangle with the We Are Libertarians crew. And if you really want to dig deep into the philosophical and the principles of libertarianism, then I suggest you listen to Roger Paxton on The Lava Flow. All these shows are amazing. I personally think every show these guys produce is top notch. So again, listen to The Lines of Liberty, We Are Libertarians, and The Lava Flow. You will not be disappointed. Blast Off with Johnny Rocket here at The Launchpad Media. You can check us out at thelaunchpadmedia.com forward slash blast off. And if you haven't subscribed to our show, please go to your local podcast playing device and look up Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. You can find us at iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Anyways, so I'm here with Raylene Lightheart and we're interviewing the awesome and now LNC Vice Chair of the Libertarian National Committee. Give it up for Alex Merced! Alex, what we do here on the second segment, sir, it's called Rocket Fire. What Rocket we do fire, on Rocket, Rocket Fire, sir, I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These questions will be politically related, and if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be badass. Alex, are you ready to play? Rocket Fire. Go for it. fire. All right. And the, it's like go for it now. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Question 1. What quality did you admire most about the previous vice chair Arvin Vora?
0: Um, his dedication at the end of the day, uh, Arvin, with all the criticism aside, I mean, he's very dedicated to the ideas that he believed in. And I mean, he was willing to take hate from all sides in order to push the, the things the way he wanted to push them. Right. I, I disagreed with that tactic. I disagreed with his strategy. I disagree with some of the ways he framed libertarian ideas. But at the end of the day, it's hard not to respect his consistency and and, and, and dedication to what he's doing.
1: Right on, oh, man. Good answer. Question two. What examples of cronyism... In government, would you encourage the party to try to eliminate?
0: All of it. But basically, if you fight back against the encroachment of the warfare state, the prohibition state, the regulatory state, you get rid of a lot of the cronyism because a lot of the levers for cronyism are gone. So basically, every regulation we can knock out of the way and allow businesses to flourish, every war we can end to allow our military infantry spend time with their families, Uh, every uh, prohibition we can end so that way people can not go to jail for doing voluntary transactions. We are pushing back against our cronyism.
1: Right on, man. Question three. Do you believe a thriving economy reduces government power?
0: By a lot. Bottom line is people who are happy, people who are prosperous, are going to be a lot less likely to want to control or use violence on others because they're happy. Like, while there's the the regulatory state, the, the warfare state, the welfare state, the prohibition state, and the incarceration state, I really focus a lot on the regulatory state, the warfare state, and the prohibition state, because I think those are really key to creating a prosperous world when you clamp those down, and that kind of basically, the incarceration drops off, the welfare drops off when people are just living more prosperous lives.
1: Right on, man. Question four. What is more important to you, the philosophy of libertarianism, or the party itself, and why?
0: Um, the philosophy of libertarianism. The only reason um, I care so much about the Libertarian Party is because I think it's the best vehicle, not just to create libertarian change in politics, but to show libertarianism in action. I, like just before, I'm talking about how we're creating this big community of libertarians. Right. I've seen so much voluntary help with each other that you know being part of that community is is is, it, is the best example of seeing libertarianism in action that I can think of, and it reaches into every libertarian project you can think of. Uh, whether it's a seasteading, the Free State Project, you'll meet Libertarian Party members there that work with other Libertarian Party members.
1: Right on, man. Question five. What's the most dangerous threat to the Libertarian movement?
0: Apathy, uh, frustration. Basically, bottom line, that's one of the big reasons I'm doing this because I know a lot of people get frustrated. Sometimes it seems overwhelming the amount of distance we still have yet to go. And sometimes it can get overwhelming when people are a hard time working together even with people they agree with. And I'm here to basically tell people it's okay that we're gonna move forward that we can work together and that we should work together and things are getting better and that's why i'm here to help alleviate that frustration to help uh, keep people in the movement keep people fighting because to me frustration the sometimes impatience because we, we want that free world so quick uh, because who wouldn't <laughs> sure, <laughs> so that's, sure so that's what fears me the most because the ideas are great um but we gotta have a long time horizon
1: all right Matt. question six what libertarian piece of literature do you associate the most with?
0: Um, I think one of the books I love the most is Paul Zach's uh, The Moral Molecule. It's not a, a typical one, and I've read a lot of the classics as well. But what I liked about his argument is just that he's looking at neurology and showing that basically we are wired. We are literally biologically wired for voluntary behavior and to cooperate and to work together and help each other. And to me, there's nothing more beautiful about humanity and biology than to think that basically we evolved for (laughs) volunteerism.
1: Oh, sure. Sure, man. All right, question seven. What are your thoughts on Dildo Gate? That that was the audacious caucus. They brought dildos to the convention. So I just figured I'd want your opinion. Do you think it was... It is in- what
0: it is. I mean, at the end of the day, I want to create a party with a room for everybody. So there has to be a way that we can be pragmatic, radical, audacious, and have room for all these different phases. So I, you know, my thing is things get... If you're worried about these kind of things affecting and being distractions, talking about them or focusing on them or being outraged by them just makes them more of a controversy and gives them makes them gives them more impact. So it is what it is. Sure. I mean sure. uh not not necessarily my my way of doing things, but it's I mean, they're not hurting, they're not necessarily hurting anybody, I mean.
1: <laughs> Unless they're throwing dildos at you, right. Hopefully, again, over the years,
0: we can find a better balance of how every faction with their party can work together and find their space to have their voice. Right. So you can have that audacious voice, that radical voice, that pragmatic voice without necessarily stepping on each other's toes uh, a lot less.
1: Right on, man. And it's not like really a big deal as long as they're not throwing dildos at you. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 at the end of the day, like we're, we're, a libertarian, we're the Libertarian Party. We're trying to do something a lot I'm different sorry. than other parties. We're trying to be a party that says, no matter who you are, you get to be you. And that makes things a little bit harder, because you're going to have a lot of people involved who other people may uh, find provocative. And, but the thing is that we're trying to have a more righteous message of inclusivity, and that, that comes with the territory.
1: Right on, man. Question eight. What non-party Libertarian do you think is the most influential now? And why? Ooh, that's a good question.
0: Um, over the last ten years, I, I would have say a uh, Ron Paul. But over the last couple of years, and I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this. You know what? I totally underestimated uh, the effect that Gary Johnson would have. I must say, I meet so many people who, over the who, whether it's Gary Johnson 2012 or 2016 that said, you know what, I like Gary Johnson because he was just a nice guy, and they joined the party, and they stuck around um, to mu- much more than I would have ever expected. And the great thing about this is th- these are people who are not like me. Like I'm definitely a very philosophical, logical-thinking libertarian who logical arguments, philosophical arguments really appeal to me and grab me by the heart. These are people who more, are more instinctual instinctual libertarians. They, they're more libertarian because it just feels sure. right, but it's the it's nice thing to do. But we need those people too. We Those are those are the people that really are can really connect with people, and I'm glad they're here. And I think that's going to really help us. Like I think like the the Ron Paul movement brought in a lot of people that we needed, but I think this also is bringing in a lot of people that we needed to move to the next step. So I must say uh, the the Gary Johnson influence is a lot bigger than I think a lot of people realize, and it took me a while to really see that. But I'm I'm definitely starting to see it as I travel and talk to people and see where they came from and how they got here
1: right on man question nine without government influence what is the most promising avenue for total freedom for all americans and there's like patriotic music behind me when i said that
2: <laughs>
0: flag the flag is living your life you know that's the that's the thing is like everyone gets too worried about making the life that they want and to me that's that's the thing i want to get most when people learn about libertarianism is that the outcomes in your life are are up to you yes i know the state gets in your way in a lot of ways whether it's through taxation regulation and and just basically making things more difficult they, than they need to be. But if you reach out to others, and if you just this resolve that you're going to make your life the way you want to, you will live a free and joyful and prosperous life because you will reach out to people. You will build the relationships. You will build the ladder for yourself to live the life that you want. You just have to resolve to do so. You just have to believe you can do so. And to me, that's the, liber- that's the strength of the libertarian message. of telling people that they are in control of their life. That it is within their power to make the life that they want, and I see this all the time when I take a look at the blockchain community and how many people came from nowhere to everywhere. Same thing in in in, in New Hampshire and the, the, all the all the awesomeness. Of, I wish I was a poor Fest, but um, <laughs> it was fun. The amazingness that the things they're doing there, all across the country. Uh, one thing is when you become libertarian and you realize that you have that power, it changes everything.
1: All right, man. Question ten: What are your thoughts on self-proclaimed libertarians who join the other parties and work within their ranks?
0: I hope you come back home. I hope you come back home. But at the end of the day, I have no ill will towards any libertarian trying anything for a more libertarian world. I just want you within the libertarian community because when we're connected to each other, we make each other stronger. Now, but I I don't mind the idea of people out there trying to reach new people. We're trying to reach new people. And, you know, sometimes people hear different people. So I, I really have no ill will towards anyone pursuing any route to promote liberty but i want at the end of the day i'm going to work towards getting everyone who has even thought of the word libertarian within the libertarian party so that way they can become deeper libertarians i mean uh bottom line is if you spend enough time around libertarians you will become more libertarian and that's why I, that's why i want everyone in
1: right on man we have two bonus questions for you and the reason you have two is because we thought of them raylene and i had we're sitting down there over a couple of brew and and we were sitting here going, what what the hell? Do we need to you know, ask Alex some bonus questions? I'm like, yes, we do. So the first one is from Ray Lane and is rent theft. Rent is not theft. I did a
0: whole video on this. Yes. That. Um, I mean, you know, <laughs> bottom line is this. And then again, if we're talking about like rent seeking, then yes. Rent seeking is theft when people use political force to put things yes. in their direction. Yes. But if you want to charge for use of your property, that is a good thing because it creates an incentive to acquire property and create capital. So for example, if I had a whatever acre property and I could not charge rent, I would just create a single family home, a very large single family home. Because maybe I can charge rent, I'll create a two family home and charge rent. So now I've created another home for another family that otherwise would not exist. If there was no ability to charge rent, there'd be no incentive to, to create multi family homes which would mean you'd reduce the amount of housing there is available and the cost of housing. So from an economic point of view that rent is theft approach really does actually make impoverished people. I mean I have no ill will on a personal level towards the people who say it I just really disagree with them.
1: Right on and bonus question number two what is your favorite libertarian comic book? Oh the Liberty <laughs> Force. Yes! <laughs> and that's Rocket Fire giving up for Alex Merced. Good job Alex. I do, I do Great job. And by the way, Alex, I'm so sorry. I didn't I didn't hear you when we were closing out the last segment. But before we wrap up this segment, you were telling a story, and I didn't mean to cut you off. And Raylene is over here poking me going, you cut him off, dickhead. And I'm like, okay. So uh, please continue your story really quick before we wrap up this segment. Oh,
0: it's all good. Basically, it's all about building up that tension, that anticipation for the audience. But bottom line, just to recap, uh, as a kid, I watched soccer. Uh, in my teenage years, I got to read Ayn Rand. And in my college years, I was basically on the left. And it wasn't until I owned a comic book store and the comic book store closed that I bought a ticket to the Philippines. And then in the Philippines, the only English news channel was Fox News. And again, being someone from the left, I was, I was like, oh, well, that's why the world hates us. Um, <laughs> and then basically what happened is that on that day, I was watching the news. And at this time, I really, really fell apart I was saying, like, vicariously and you know, a Barack Obama supporter. And then I saw that debate with Ron Paul and Giuliani and that got me asking questions. That I just basically once I got back home, I just kept looking up everything about this Ron Paul guy. And that kinda led me to like Cato and the Mises Institute and uh, all three and all these other institutions. Right. I just started consuming all the literature. Like I probably watched ten years worth of Mises University lectures. They're great. And and then they also have this thing like the Rosetta Stone on taxation, which is like a thirty hour lecture about the history of taxation. And I just started consuming everything I could get my hands on regarding economics and finance and philosophy and whatnot. And that's just kind of how I got here. I mean, I, I really feel like three or four years went deep in it. And that's where I got all those YouTube videos. Because as I learned stuff, I decided, hey, let me document what I'm learning so that later on I can see where I came from. And it was like mm. over 2,000 videos. And you can see my intellectual journey over the years. And you can see, like, you know, there were some times where I was much, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say much more radical. I think I'm in the same place that I was. But my tone... Uh, I was much more brash once upon a time. Um, There was a time where I was probably maybe a little bit more conservative sounding. There are different times in my intellectual journey. And that's why I I, I feel that I can be inclusive. Because at some point or other, no matter who you are, at some point I was you. And I can appreciate where you are. And I can appreciate that one day you can be where I am. And I want you in the fold.
1: Right on, man. Anyway, so this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. And I'm here with Raylene Lightheart. And we are interviewing our special guest the vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee, and that is Mr. Alex Merced here on Blast Off. Alex, really quick, if you give us your dot-coms really quick before we take this break.
0: Okay, the main one is alexmerced.com. Now, if you're telling your friends about libertarianism and you want to give them a quick little tour, libertarian101.com, economics, learneconomicsnow.com, or do you just want to learn more about good libertarian messaging and uh, based on videos by between me, Larry Sharp, Michael Pickens, you can go to introtheliberty.com. Well, most importantly, you need to get your Libertarian Party membership at lp.org/join.
1: Alex and also you're doing a show with Launchpad Media is that right?
0: That's right I do have a show on the Launchpad Media Network called Nice Guys Finish
1: Free We're going to air that every Sunday so if you want to hear more of Alex check out the launchpadmedia.com and you'll find Alex's show Nice Guys Finish Free and it's every Sunday we're going to release that so you didn't know that but now you do. Anyways so it's Johnny Rocket always launching ideas and I'm here with Raylene and we'll be back with more of Alex Merced so stick around Rock and roll. Bum Hey there, Liberty lovers. This is Mark Clare of the Lions of Liberty podcast, where we strive to bring you great conversations about the ideas of liberty three days a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Check us out at lionsofliberty.com.
2: This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at WeAreLibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at WeAreLibertarians.com.
1: Hey, it's Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with Raylene Lightheart, and we're talking to our guest, Mr. Alex Mercer.
2: Yeah. Hey Alex, I hear people talking about the need to involve more women and minorities in the LP. Do you think that there's a way to do this while still respecting the individual and not subscribing to collectivism? And is it important to you?
0: I, my, to me, it's important to bring any, anybody to the, the party. And honestly, you don't need to like sit there and like say, oh look, you should be part of the party because you're in this group. You don't have to do that. But a lot of times People are attracted to people they can relate to on some level. Doesn't have to be because they, they look like them or come from a similar background as them, but they have to connect with them on some, some level. I do feel like I do connect with people because um, in in different communities, just out of different experiences, I was I was raised by a single mom. I saw my mom go through a lot of very uh, intense stuff. Uh, let's just put it that put it nicely, and that kind of gave me a lot of empathy towards a lot of the challenges that uh, that a lot of mothers go through, that a lot of women go through, and uh, that's definitely given me an ability to connect, um, I think, at a level. Um, I definitely, I think that's part of why I'm, I guess, I'm such a nice guy, but also just the fact that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm also the, not only the son of a single mother, but she was, also, she was also an immigrant. So I saw the challenges she had and the challenges her family had with regime change. Regime change affected Guatemala, which caused civil war in Guatemala on top of the drug war and its effect on Central America. I mean, that, that, feeds, that fuels a lot of the conflict on the border. It fuels a lot of the conflict, and then just the toughness of, the, of a lot of people's lives and I have an appreciation for that, not because I'm trying to cater to a particular audience. It's just that that was my life and the experiences that I've had. Um, I am able to connect with those people. We just need more voices. We don't need people trying to tailor their
2: message to reach more people. We just need more
0: people to reach more people.
2: Can I piggyback on this really fast? Yeah. I was involved with the Republican Party when I caucused for Ron Paul. And there's something I learned as I started just learning about the political process itself that... A lot of people don't know this, but in the major political parties, they have rules for uh, specifically the DNC for so many women and so many men trying to make it equal. uh, You have to be a woman to have half of the PCO spots. And as a woman, I actually was offended by this. I was just wondering, as we grow and we start to have the POC positions, you know, when we get the larger percentage and the party grows. What do you think that our party should be doing? Should we just let the uh, willing people get voted in as PCO? Or do you think that gender and um, just the tight stereotypical things that people look into to try to create diversity? Should we add that in specifically or should we keep it as individual based as possible?
0: I guess that's, uh, that's honestly when it comes to like, delegations, that should be up to the, the state delegation to decide what their criteria is for their delegation. I'm not against the idea of diversity in per se. I'm against mandating it. But I'm, I like the idea that there, there is a benefit to having multiple people with different perspective and experiences in the room. It's not necessarily an issue of merit or no merit. It's an issue of perspective to be able to get a perspective that reflects most people as possible. I, I, I get that and I appreciate that. But um, that's we, that should be up to each delegation on how they want to decide. What some people are just a lot of delegations are just trying to fill up Anyone with the seats they can, um, you know. That so right now we're not at that problem yet, but in the future. Each state can decide, and I can understand one that's based on just electing individuals, and based on who can make the best case to their state, and then and then other realms. It's, it's, we're libertarians, so I'm not going to make that decision for people.
2: Well, that's fair. I, as a woman, I was a little offended that if I got a position like that, that somebody could say it was because I was a woman, and I, I guess maybe that's where I'm coming from. Oh,
0: I I understand. I understand. Like I, as a, as a as a Latino, I've had situations like that where. I've accomplished things in life and sometimes people will, will basically try to demean that accomplishment by saying, oh, well, you know, people gave you favor because, you know, being a minority is a thing right now or something like that and and then that'll cause, that's why I'm not a big fan of explicit rules or whatnot. I'm not against the idea of that as a consideration for legit reasons. Again, it depends on what you're doing. Like, if hmm. the idea is you're trying to get a, if you're trying to get like reflections and a thought process or a discussion process, that's one thing. If it's like, okay, this is a, a, a it depends on what you're doing it, what the consideration is for. Like, and not, there are reasons why you want to have different voices. And that's then again, but then it's not a thing of an accomplishment or not. It's just like, okay, I want to get, that's why like, you know, sometimes I'll call five friends before I make a decision to get some different voices because the voice in my head is not always, not always right.
2: Wow. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Really cool.
2: So yeah. So uh,
0: it depends on the situation. I think getting, Diverse opinions on something is not a bad thing, but again, it depends on the context, depends on the situation, but in a situation where like, where it, it really is about merit, the, the only consideration should be merit.
1: Right, and so Alex, I feel good though because you're a minority and you're my friend, so you're my token minority friend,
2: and I'm Yay! proud. <laughs> Don't listen to him, you guys. He has a million token friends because he's just friends with all people. I am. Even I get around their minorities. He has a lot. <laughs> I am
1: like a social Yay. whore. I'm a social Yay, whore. Um, tokens. <laughs> yes, I carry on tokens. Yeah, but I'm glad I, and I have I, I have a friend who's a female, Raylene. See, now I'm not a, a misogynist, so I feel good about this now. So now I'm like in your circle. <laughs> Alex, really quick, brother, uh, let's wrap this up. But what I want to say is, my question to you, my last question, what tools do you plan on bringing to the Libertarian Party that will help expand membership and maybe even help candidates? You were talking about a program about that you were going to purchase. Purchase? Yeah, and you had a, you mean, Did I mention that today? On uh, your first video you did as chair, vice chair.
0: Oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay, so what happened is that the party already was working on it. So the people on the tech team... Uh, Andy Burns, Ken Molman bring great work on what's called the CRM project, the customer relationship manager. They're using uh, open source software called City CRM. And what this does is it allows states to be able to collect this information and be able to transmit information from one candidate to the next. And what happens is there's some custom work they want to do on it to make it more useful for the party. So the party decided to fund it, which is I think one of the best decisions we've made in recent times, because that's that's a really worthwhile project, and I'm really excited about it. But other things that um ideas that I've been putting around in particular, that I actually haven't had a chance to put to the LNC yet, is, I mean, something to do with retention. I mean, I personally want to do that and sort of be you know that person that everyone can call and basically say, hey, you know, I'm feeling frustrated in my campaign. You know, why, why am I doing this? And, try you know, talk people off the leg of political apathy. But, I mean, at the same time, I, I can't do it alone. So the idea of, like, a retention committee or some sort of, like, crisis hotline within the party where people can call and just kind of, for reaffirmation, I think could go a long way for... Uh, retention and, and just keeping the party focused and, 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 and motivated and just doing things to motivate people in general. So that's what I'm going to be doing with my Facebook page, highlighting Candidates. But I mean, I'm really big in technology. Some of the fundraising uh, team, uh, that's, that would be Lauren Doherty and Jeff Mears, who are amazing. Uh, they've pitched up some great ideas for different software that, that they may that we may purchase that um, is going to help incentivize people to go out and recruit members and that I'm also really
1: excited about. Very cool, man. Well, Alex, hopefully you're going to stick around for the after party. Is that right? Can I get a hell yeah? Hell yeah. All right, here we go. So anyway, so this is Johnny Rocket here at Blast Off, and I'm here with my co-host, Miss Raylene Lightheart.
2: Thanks, guys.
1: Raylene, you're awesome. You're awesome. And give it up for the man himself, Mr. Alex Merced. Alex Hulley. Give us your dot coms, your Libertarianism 101. And by the way, can you name all of them off the top of your head? Go.
0: AlexMerset.com, libertarian101.com, .com, learn .com, Bitcoin Blockchain Crypto.com. Um, there's sixty-five domains total that I own. Most of them go to go to the same places. So if you go to those five websites, you've pretty much
1: seen everything. There you have it. And so check out Alex Merced also at thelaunchpadmedia.com. And uh, make sure if you like this show, make sure you go to patreon.com forward slash blastoff podcast and if you want to hear the rest of the show just donate a buck that's all you have to do so anyways though this is johnny rocket always launching ideas and we'll see you next week rock and roll good night